Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, we've got a lot of games to talk about. The Sharks are on a five-game point streak. They've scored three-plus goals in four straight games, dude. Paul Martin is hurt. Martin Jones is hurt. Martin Landau is hurt. Martin Landau? Oh, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw in an old actor name there to see if anyone was paying attention. <laughs> All the Martins are hurt. But... They might be. The Sharks have... Uh, somehow crawled out of this hole that they've dug themselves and gone on a little streak here. Even though they lost two of those games, they got five in a row going, dude. Not bad. Not bad. And it's funny that we mentioned before, right after, uh, in the, during the last podcast that the Sharks had some very winnable games coming up. And of course they lost all of those games, (laughs) (laughs) except Arizona. They beat Arizona. That's right. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, dropping the Boston game, very frustrating uh dropping the florida game very frustrating um and then seeing them be able to pick up the pieces have some pretty good offensive efforts even though the defensive effort in vegas was was bad it seems like everybody's is bad in vegas um but to put up four goals to, to to climb back into that game to have a really great showing i mean the best win so far has been that that win over winnipeg um, because Winnipeg's been one of the best teams in the NHL so far, and the Sharks kind of let them have it. Yeah, they they whooped Winnipeg, and then Winnipeg took it out on some other teams immediately after that. Other teams felt the wrath of the Jets, and usually we don't see Winnipeg as a very uh, competitive team, but this year that's not the case. They are extremely competitive. Right. So overall, dude, there, there's there's more positive than negative to talk about right now. But, I mean, I guess it, since we should probably focus on the negative, because we're good at that, and how concerned are you about the injury to Martin Jones? Well, Aaron Dell posted a 96 save percentage against Philadelphia. He's statistically the best backup in the NHL. Uh, if you're going to have this happen, I think now is the time for the Sharks to have this happen, right? I mean... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Aaron Dell right now. And and there's even a touch of controversy about Aaron Dell this week in that I think someone asked him, oh, you know, his contract's up at the end of the year. And they said, oh, or are you talking about uh, a contract extension? And I think he said, or maybe it was his agent or somebody said, oh, he's not going to be entertaining offers until after the season is over. So as of now, Aaron Dell is a 924 save percentage. He's got uh, three wins and three losses, but a 2.06 goals against. I mean, those are excellent numbers. And uh, although Martin Jones has been on a tear recently and actually is, has bettered those numbers uh, in 17 games played. So I'm, I'm not uh, upset about Aaron Dell at all. I, I, they, they brought in somebody else, I guess, from the Barracuda. But, you know, ha- having uh, your number one goaltender out in late November with the best backup in the league – playing i'm not going to get too upset about it no um i guess you're you're right uh if it was going to happen this is the right time to have it happen 
Dell is playing well. The contract extension is an interesting point, and it wasn't something that I really thought about until you brought it up, but of course he's not going to sign the Sharks right now, and, and I don't think the Sharks are going to be able to keep him, to be honest. If, uh, if he continues to play the way he is, you know, this is Auntie Ranta syndrome. This is Cam Talbot syndrome, you know, um, that depending on what kind of position the Sharks are in, they may have to consider trading Arendelle this year. And I think someone... we're seeing this we're seeing this play out in Pittsburgh right now with uh one of their top four defensemen, Ian Cole, who the Penguins have essentially benched as they're trying to trade because they figure they can't afford to re-sign him next year. So they're trying to get something for him now instead of nothing when he walks because they're not going to be able to pay him the four and a half, five billion dollars that it looks like he's going to get. So if someone's going to give Aaron Dell stupid money, could you get someone to give you stupid value now? I think that's a good question. I think Aaron Dell probably is a little bit more interested in, hey, can I go play for a team that might consider giving me the starting job? Because that's really not going to happen in San Jose with Martin Jones under contract. Sure. And, and I mean, the nice thing about the position right now is Aaron Dell doesn't get to choose. He would go wherever the Sharks sent him and... I think it'll be an interesting balance. I'm not advocating for either thing. I just think that it's reality that Aaron Dell is not going to be part of this team next year unless he has a serious decline in his play. Someone's going to give him a a big contract because he's been playing well. People are looking for good goalies there. I don't know about a big contract, but I think they're going to give him the potential to earn some big money because he's going to start quite a few games. How is this different from Cam Talbot? What's that? How is this different from Cam Talbot? You're right. It's the same, I, but I think people might have learned a bit of a lesson with Cam Talbot because I don't think that's worked out exactly the way that... Uh, people um, never seem to learn a lesson with contracts, dude. The contracts are... They seem to get dumber and dumber. You're right about from that. From year to year, so... Um, I don't know. I'm grateful that we have Aaron Dell. I could totally understand if the Sharks hung on to him for the rest of the year to have uh, protection. If the Sharks are in line to be a playoff team, they should probably, you know, consider keeping Aaron Dell, um, or they need to uh, consider, you know, uh, replacing him with somebody of of comparable value, but. It's a it's a storyline that we'll have to keep an eye on as the as the season continues, dude. What about the other Martin, Paul Martin, dude? How concerned are you about Paul Martin still being injured and it having nothing to do with his ankle? Oh, it's nothing to do with his ankle, is it? Well, I thought that that's what I read. Oh, interesting. I did not uh, read that. I thought the latest I heard was that it was something he had a setback. Of course, they never tell you anything, so it's hard to hard to know for sure. But this is the right time, right? We got Jim, uh, Tim Heaton, Yoakam Ryan in the lineup. What's what's the issue? Dylan DeMello willing to play? I you know I don't have a problem with that either. We we talked before about how Paul Martin, um, you know, probably won't be a, a long term player for the Sharks either. As much as we like Paul Martin and how as much as he has done a great job, uh, sort of anchoring Brent Burns. 
Uh, I'd rather him get 100% healthy than try and rush him back to the lineup so we can, what, bench a young guy? That's not that's not where this team is going. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no rush here, and, and it actually creates more of a problem when he when he gets healthy. Um, dude, I'm, I'm looking here to see if I can find more information about Paul Martin. Um, and uh, they, he's on the road trip. So um, it sounds like either of them uh, could be available at, at some point on this trip. Um, Pete DeBoer said if he had to guess if they would be able to play in any of the next four games, he would say yes. But that could change from day to day. So okay. Um, but if I had to guess, dude, Pete DeBoer is going to play Paul Martin because he loves veterans. Yes, that's so, true. I think he's going to go call Martin's number when Martin is ready. And who is the person that sits? I don't know. They've had a little bit of a merry-go-round the last couple of games. Uh, having Heed sit one game. DeMello's played a couple games here uh, during this point streak. Um, you know, uh, who would be the person that would that would sit out? I, I don't really know. It could be a rotation of sorts. Um, to kind of figure out what the best chemistry is. But one thing that has changed is Brendan Dillon has been playing with Brent Burns, and we've seen some steps forward from Burns. Dude, he scored a goal. Scored a goal finally. Hooray. <laughs> I thought he was going to have 300 shots and no goals in the season. That would have been amazing. It's really strange to see him not even in the top 20 in D scoring. Like, yeah, he was one of the top scorers of any skater in the NHL. And he only has, I think 12 points. So, uh, very odd, dude, very odd to start to this year, but he has picked it up in the last, uh, I think six games, he's got five points and, you know, that's a good sign. So hopefully, um, this, this team is going to go as Burns goals goes right. And as, as I had a slip of the tongue there as, as Burns goals, but that's true. Yep. Uh, Brent Burns isn't scoring. He's the best offensive player on this team. And if he's not scoring, Sharks offense stinks, and they're not going to win. You're right about that. It's hard to argue with any of that, dude. I, you know, and, and I guess, you know, the power play still not, not great, but yeah, it's, it's had some results. Like they scored a power play goal last night against Philly, but I still thought, like, even in the five-on-three, it was bad. Like, it just looked bad. It was the same thing. I mean, Joe hit, happened to, to pick a spot and score. But it wasn't because of any sort of great movement. It yeah. still is bad. And um, that's, I mean, I, I put that on coaching, dude. I give them credit in that they have been deploying different people instead of stubbornly sending out the same combination of people. I do commend them for that, but they, now they need to really rethink their strategy because it's just not, it's not working and they don't seem to get that. It's, it's not working. And I don't think anybody really has a, no, nobody's got an answer for this at the moment. Answer for scoring. Although the scoring seems to have been, a little bit better the last few games, although they still are 28th in the league in scoring. They're first in the league in defense, so that's 
good. Right. Right. But they're yeah. they're twenty eighth in the league in scoring. It it's hard to see how um that's gonna work. <laughs> you know? Well this team they even at when they're playing at their full potential, they're not gonna be an elite they don't have the, the, the players to be an elite skill team. That's not gonna be their there's formula for winning. That's true. Um, so I I don't I think we're we're fooling ourselves as Sharks fans if we think this team is going to be a top ten team in scoring like they've been in the past. You know this is not the same type of of formula here. You know they're they're going to be relying on defense and goaltending, and if they can continue, if they it sounds so sad, but if they can score three goals. It gives them a chance to win, but the the even sadder part is most of the time they can't even do that. Right? Yeah, they're averaging under three goals a game. They have so, six, sixty-one goals in twenty-three games. It's not. But they've great. got three goals in four straight, and they've got a chance to make it five straight against a horrible defensive team in Florida. So, you know, you hope that they can continue to build upon the success that they've had, and have some more success. Putting pucks in the net. And you know who's having a ton of success, dude, is Logan Couture, who is sixth in the NHL in scoring and is on pace for over 45 goals. Yeah, so, he's looked uh, amazing. He has played well and has been certainly picking up the slack for some of the other players. You know, Pavelski rumored to be banged up. Joe Thornton seems to have come on in the last couple of games, but you know, Kevin Kurz has alluded to the fact that he's not 100% healthy. But Couture has not been the issue. Um, Timo Meyer, I think, has been fun to watch in the last week uh, since they've let him play with with the big boys. He's uh, he's been entertaining. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing that dude, even though we haven't seen the goals yet. Like he's he's involved. Yeah, but although he, that's not the top line anymore, Couture's line's the top line now. Oh, agreed. Yeah, no one could say that. So, and Don Scoy is is doing a good job. John Scoy's got seven goals, right? He's second on the team in goals. You... Yeah, what a sick shootout move, by the way. Yeah, against the Ducks, sick, completely it's... sick. And he it, had it... another, he had another one the next night too, right? Not a breakaway. It's just right. It's yeah. ridiculous. This guy's got the skill. Only time I've seen uh, Pete DeBoer smile. One of the few. Yeah, he smiled on the bench. It was it was a. A Christmas miracle, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Came early this year. Came dude, early this uh, year. what else about these games do you want to talk about? I definitely want to talk a little bit about uh, an article that Pierre Lebrun wrote this week where he specifically mentioned the Sharks. But um, those of you who are not subscribed to The Athletic, you know, Mike and I have said uh, several times that we're big fans of, of this website. The hockey coverage is outstanding the best hockey coverage I've ever experienced in, you know, online media. Yep. But it's very good. It's very thorough. And you get a lot of interesting stories more than just, um, you know, game, the basic game recaps recap, and recaps. so forth. Yeah. So, I, I'm enjoy Kevin Kurz's work much more on the athletic. Now that he seems to sort of have the freedom to kind of write what he wants. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have to like, just like churn out like who yeah, scored what on each been, game. It's been, you good know? To, it's been good to see. So, um, 
Anyways. Dude, I do want to talk about the Vegas game because okay. the Sharks had a streak at that time, at that you know, that week of disallowed goals. Yeah. Right? Right. And there were a couple disallowed um what was it against Florida? Right. And then the next night one or the next game one disallowed against Boston. And then there was one disallowed against Vegas. The the Vegas in particular, I, I think there were there were good arguments to be had for the calls that were made, especially in you know, in the Florida game and even the Boston one. But but the one in Vegas really really got me mad. That really got me mad. Like the first time I saw it, people were like, Oh, he interfered with the goalie and I'm like, I don't even think he touched him. And I said this like during live in the game and then I read Kurz's article the next day and he's like, I don't even think he touched him. Like so not only and then, you know, you you couple that with a goal that was allowed when the player bowls into Martin Jones, pushes him into the net and then someone scores and they say, No, that wasn't goalie interference. Um I you know I don't see how you can make how both of those things can be true even if the guy was tripped, so that that was one thing and then and then there was a complete a huge terrible miss non call a tripping non call that happened in the same Vegas game uh, right after the disallowed goal that you know those two things together you have to think that cost the Sharks a point. You done complaining, dude? Yeah, that's <laughs> that sucked. I mean that. You know, usually I don't get that 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 uh, animated yeah. about missed uh, calls, dude, but th- for some a, reason that just hit me really wrong. Yeah, it was a wild uh, couple of games where things just seemed to be going against the shark at every turn. And the Vegas one, you're right, that one was the most ridiculous, and I I don't understand it. I think the fact that there was the non-call against Jones made it worse. In that, yeah. you're sort of like, oh, what the hell is going on? And there's no explanation for it. it they've got to get this figured out because they're, the replay is supposed to eliminate bad calls, not create bad calls. It just made it. It was not. It was not a, a, a call that should have been made. It was not made. And then they made it after watching the replay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I don't really know what to say about it. It's, it's, it's pretty irritating. Fortunately, we seem to have avoided. We don't have to do an exorcism. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> they they beat up on Winnipeg the next night, so I'll take that for sure. Right. Um. Yeah, not good. That's not my good, rant. My but, rant's over. Uh, on that. Right, but frustrating, dude. Very frustrating. Dude, you were gonna say Pierre LeBrun. Yeah, Pierre LeBrun now writes for the Athletic. Has uh, in his article this week was uh, talking about several things, but he wrote a section in his uh, blog post called Sneaky Sharks, and I'd like to read it to you. Okay. Whether it's a guy like Evander Kane or a bigger fish like John Tavares, I would keep an eye on the San Jose Sharks. Veteran GM Doug Wilson, are you intrigued? Veteran GM Doug Wilson is never shy to make a bold move. He never replaced Patrick Marlowe's salary. So he's got that to play with, plus the fact his cap is always in good shape. Throw in the expiring contracts of Joel Ward and Yannick Hansen, plus the NHL cap going up to at least $80 million, San Jose will have room to make pay. Now, whether they act mid-season or wait until the off-season or do a bit of both, all I can tell you is I 
keep an eye on them. Huh. Interesting. What do you think of that? Well, you know, the Sharks have done well in terms of uh, um, trades in the past, but they've never, like, I mean, Joe Thornton's the last, like, huge trade, right? I, I, I don't know. I just, you think what, I, every time I think of a trade bait, I think of what do the Sharks have to give up, right? We talked about it with Matt Duchesne, maybe to our listeners' uh, boredom. But I have the same issue, you know, Vander Kane or whoever or John Tavares. What can we offer them? <laughs> like, what what can we honestly offer them? Because these young players that we have, whether it be Timo Meyer, Chris Tierney, Kevin LeBanc, Marcus Sorensen, who hasn't even played, you know, these guys, none of them are proven NHL players. And if you're going right. to get a guy of the caliber of any of those players that that Pierre LeBron mentioned, then you know, you have to give up something good. What are you going to give up? Right. Logan Couture, the guy who's like on pace for 45 goals. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, these two names are interesting and I think they're on two different levels, right? I mean, Evander Kane is a, you know, sort of maligned young player who's having a good year, but has been very inconsistent, but could be an outstanding player in the NHL. John Tavares is an all-star and one of the best centers in the league and one of the best players in the league. And um, the price for each, I think, is significantly different. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. Why either of them would come voluntarily to the Sharks as a free agent, I don't see that. We've never had that kind of success as for an elite free agent. So the trade is the way to go. What do we have to offer? You're right. The Sharks have some good pieces to offer. But we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, um, and this was the rant that I had uh, earlier before the Sharks started going on this five point five game streak, right? I was really angry after that Boston game. And I think I sort of, you know, unloaded on you on, on, via you know uh text and you sort of had to sit there and read my rant which was really entertaining by the way i enjoyed um, it very much uh and i said it's this is it's time for the sharks to make a hockey trade they need to make a hockey trade you cannot sit here and overvalue your own players and just stubbornly throw the same thing out there and say this is going to be different you know, Nashville has been brilliant at this. They've done it three times in the last three years. They've completely remodeled themselves into a Stanley Cup contender. And, you know, at some point, I I still think the Sharks are going to have to make a very difficult decision. So the same thing the San Francisco Giants are faced with right now. You, you can't, you know, you're going to have to give up someone that you really like to get someone back that you really like. Yeah. That's that's the question. I just don't think that there's a lot of players that we really like that other players are going to really like. You know, that list uh-huh. is kind of short. No, uh, I I think we have some players that people really like, you know, and you just have to you'd have to swallow really hard if you're going to trade Mark Edward Vlasic. Yeah. You have to swallow really hard. But how is that any different from what 
you know, Nashville did by trading Shea Weber. You could see the decline, I guess, in his skill set. But, you know, that's tough. I mean, like, that's, you know, like the Sharks trading Joe Thornton and the Sharks trading Patrick Marleau, like trading the face of your team, the most beloved player on your team. You, you, and you, David Poyle had the cojones to do that. They had Mike Ribeiro at that time. Wasn't he the most beloved? <laughs> In your heart, dude. In always. Heart. Always. Anyways, dude, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know um, what the Sharks, you know, uh, piece-wise have to offer here. You know, unless teams really like Tomas Hurdle still, um, if he's viewed to be a an outstanding trade piece i don't know uh, we certainly don't have a lot of young players that the teams are going to want and you know if, if the islanders are are going to be getting rid of john Tavares, they're not going to want back you know a bunch of veteran players they're going to want back picks and prospects which we don't have to offer buffalo i don't know like i don't know what that would be for them but the I think Islanders are in second place in the toughest division in hockey right now, dude. Right. The Islanders so, are not yeah, bad. So you, they're not going to be looking to make a move like this at all. I think that the thing that I find the most intriguing is that as as much as we know Pierre Lebrun has a, a large spot in his heart for the San Jose Shark, he wouldn't write this unless he had some pretty good information that something has been discussed or is cooking yeah he's not just spitballing this is something that has at least some baby legs so we'll see yeah i would love to see the sharks do some make some sort of bold move that makes sense like pick up brooks like off waiver you like brooks like huh that was a joke did you see the they they did some docu somebody did a documentary about him oh i don't don't know i can't remember some brooks like that that should have had a laugh track with it, dude. That was not an actual suggestion. I don't hate Brooks Like, but Dude, no, that is not what we need. That's not what, I agree with you, that's not what we need, but I don't hate Brooks Like. I don't have a problem with Brooks Like. Okay. Well, you know who hates Brooks Like? The LA King. <laughs> everybody everybody else. Because he's not in the NHL. He made the dude, team. He, he made did, the, you know, he made it on a tryout. That's not, not that on, bad. He's not on it anymore. Not on it anymore. Dude, looking looking ahead, we're playing Florida again, so maybe we can get some get some revenge on Friday against Florida and then some and then two tough games Tampa Bay and Washington on the road and then we're home for Carolina, Ottawa and Minnesota. Carolina um while not doing well in their division, they are in the metro and they have only uh I believe three fewer points than the Sharks right now. So Carolina is not embarrassing. They are 8 no. 10 8 and 5. No, they're not embarrassing at all. So, you know, we, we have, you know, three games coming up that could be pretty tough here, especially, obviously, you know, Tampa Bay being the number one team that spanked the Sharks pretty badly last month. So, um, I don't know, dude. Like, what, the what opportunities you... there, dude, the Sharks have, they beat, seeing them beat a really good Winnipeg team was encouraging. That was encouraging. So, you know, Washington... They're not playing very well, dude. Like, yeah, they, I think they've played better recently. They've won three in a row, but they're not setting the world on fire. 
You know, so, you know, and the Sharks, you know, historically have played well against Washington. Um, so hopefully Tampa Bay, that's the tough one, right? And, you know, they sort of worked you on your own building. So maybe the Sharks will go in a little motivated to give them a little something back. So we'll see how that goes, dude. But you're right. It, it, we'll learn something in these next couple games. You know, the Sharks have been playing well. But are they going to fold um, at the end of this road trip and when they come home against Carolina? Yep, yep. All right, dude. Well, I will. Uh, we will talk to you next week, and we'll see how the Sharks can do against the very best the league has to offer. All right, dude. See you later. Okay, bye. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.